Welcome everyone to the Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the guy who's always ascending to Loa. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. Well, who's your friend? Friend? The Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 207, Viking Town Sound, is sponsored by Stupid Candy Robot. Stole my Snickers. Pete, this is an episode written and directed by series creator Joe Pekowski. And uh, that's the good news. The slightly less than good news coming on in with 306,000 uh, viewers in these United States when talking about live viewing. So not exactly the highest high when we started back in episode 101 with almost a million viewers. But that's just the way it is. With the metaphor that the show is increasingly dealing with the the record store, everything in and around that, I could see where it's a little esoteric for some members of the audience, Matt. But those listening, they understand. Well, take us to the recap, Pete. A trumpet blares out as a flyer for a missing girl floats through the air before a sanitation worker grabs it and throws it in a garbage bag and onto a waiting truck. As the horn continues to play, we push in on the Viking Motel with its one entrance and up to a second-story window where Andre is blowing his own horn and Tandy is unconscious on a bed. At the grow house, O'Reilly surveys the crime scene solo before Ty teleports in. Doesn't look like nothing. Four big men were beaten. Two spoke of a tiny woman who kicked their butts thoroughly. But it wasn't a result of the other O'Reilly. She's stashed away. Ty finds a cut on a shovel that could only have been made by Tandy's light dagger. Ty makes a call, but Tandy doesn't pick up. Tandy comes too, but Andre tells her not to get up quickly. Ty saw Tandy last running a con on the leader of a women's abuse group, trying to get at her ex-boyfriend. But Tandy and Ty had a fight, and he didn't go with her. Tandy's tough, and Ty is out. Andre attempts to convince Tandy that he shot Ty dead but she sees through it. He doesn't cause pain, though. He understands it. It's the only way to tamp down his migraines and survive. But Tandy can't summon her light dagger anymore because she needs hope, and there's none of that there. Knock, knock. It's Leah and big dude Bo. Tandy, good to go? Let's find out. At Ty's house, His mother cooks as Connors comes to, duct-taped in a chair. He can't use the restroom right now. She likes to cook to work things out in her head, like the night Billy went missing and she dug out an old crab cake recipe that serves four. Connors maintains he wants justice, too. She's going to cook and see if his value to Tyrone outweighs the need for her to end his life for what he did to Billy. Leah introduces Tandy to Dell, who is going to show her around. All the girls get up around 10 and then they shine while they wait for night. 
laundry, linens, windows. Dell and Tandy are in Andre's room. Leah thinks the floor could use a good mopping. Tandy doesn't want to be a slave, but Dell tells her all they have to do is work and they give them everything they need. But Tandy maintains the girls are held against their will. Leah opens the door, but Dell doesn't dare leave. Tandy's friends are going to find her, but Leah doesn't think she has any. The motel is filled with girls like her who start off thinking there's someone out there that's going to find them. And then they all remember the friend they told off or the mother they screamed at. Ty searches the women's abuse center and runs into Andre. Ty tells Andre he's looking for Tandy Bowen and a counselor named Leah. They're not there, and Ty can very much not get her number. Andre tells Ty he's never heard Tandy mention a friend who fits his description. She might be in danger, so Andre suggests Ty call the police. The same he's going to call if Ty doesn't leave right now. Ty thanks Mr. DeShane for his help and shakes his hand, allowing Andre to access the record store where he flips through a bin of albums about Ty. He selects Tandy plus Tyrone and tries to give some unsolicited advice about the two worlds they come from. Andre can't get down on that record, so he drops the needle on Tandy doesn't care about you to further drive a wedge between them. But Ty maintains they're the exception, not the rule. Dell tells Tandy about a dozen girls living at the motel, but most don't get to see Andre's room. She's further up the ladder. Her father left and mom abandoned her. Andre found her in a halfway house. It's not heaven, but it's not hell. You get used to it. As Ty's mother continues to cook, Connors explains he had gotten a call from a resident the night he killed Billy about a black youth skulking around in a hoodie, except that wasn't the word she used. They chased him to Levy 202. The rig exploded and he pulled the trigger. Then he called his uncle, the state senator. He was hoping he'd cover it up. He didn't care his uncle would frame Ty as a drug addict. They changed the firearms log, found a body in Baton Rouge that would pass after water damage, and set his partner up to keep his mouth shut. Connor's change of heart came via spending the last eight months all alone. Knock, knock, Adina. Your husband's here to talk about Tyrone. She brings him into the situation as Connor's eyes a paring knife. Andre finds a vevey on one of Ty's album covers with a picture of Avita's aunt on the back. He goes to see Miss Fusillet for help with a long-term solution to his migraines. He shows her the vevey and Mayhem peers out into the record store. Tandy sees Bo from before leave the motel and she's ready to leave herself, but Dell can't. Tandy promises to come back for her. Outside, she sees a bus and tries to break for it, 
But Bo was just around the corner and grabs her and brings her back. Leah explains why they call it the Viking Motel, only one way in or out. Dell told Leah Tandy had left, but the rules are the rules. Leah tells Dell to be the mama bird, so she takes out a pipe and hits it, blowing the smoke into Tandy's face and causing her to pass out. As Ty's parents argue upstairs, Connor shifts his chair forward to grab the knife. He picks it up in his mouth, but has to spit it back out and return to his spot when Ty's father leaves and Adina comes back into the room. She wants to know where Billy's body was hidden. As Mayhem browses the record store, a despondent Ty rides a trolley. She takes the needle off the record and Ty reacts. She puts on a white record with piano music and Ty smiles as a bunch of little ballerinas board the trolley. He puts his hood up and disappears to the girl's amazement. Tandy wakes but can't move. Leah tells her she's okay and all about growing up with three brothers where her backyard was her mother's closet and she could be anyone she wanted to be, a princess, a priestess, a styler, on their path, just trudging along. Then she met Andre. He helped her understand her parents had put their own pain onto her that her pain could give her power as she dresses Tandy up. Mayhem flips through the record bin, putting a red siren-sounding album on, and Ty sees a trio of ambulances. He calls O'Reilly and tells her he thinks Tandy may have been taken by one of them. He has an idea and shakes up a can of spray paint. Auntie explains most folks come to her looking for answers. She tells them to look within. For the most part, it works, but it's an allegory of sorts. The Vevey tells her Andre doesn't need a god, but is on the cusp of becoming one. His pain is just a complication on his journey of ascension into Loa. The Vevey is his symbol. She's not keen on telling him what it means right now. She's Mambo, and she can see through the BS. It'll do more than cure his headaches for good, though. He grabs her hand and sees Mayhem's mischief in the record store, and Auntie is there as well. They're all touched. Auntie's just self-aware enough to act on it. She finds Andre's vevey on a door, it's not a key to become a god, more like a lock. Ty spray paints a giant vevey on a rooftop, appears in front of an ambulance, and then in it, demanding the driver tell him where Tandy is. Dell apologizes to Tandy as she does her makeup. Lucky girls who try to escape get locked up. Others get killed. Dell tells her about the other girls they were expecting from the Bywater a couple days ago who escaped and then were killed. Tandy knows they didn't die because she and Ty saved them. Leah says hope doesn't exist, but she's wrong. Tandy tells her 
she should save herself and go find her family. Auntie doesn't recognize the Vevey, but she knows some of the pieces, the bridge, the stars, the water. They very much mean something to Andre. Aloha would feel no pain, among other things. Another option is to leave the door locked and walk away. Andre explains what he does with the pain in the record store. It's not righteous. Mayhem watches their exchange. If he can't be merciful when he plays God, what kind of God will he be when he's not playing anymore? He tells her to pick out her favorite memory, a record with a baby on it and another with a heart on it, which features a newborn's cry and the voices of a young auntie and Evita's mother. The doctors told auntie something, but it wasn't about the baby, and the heartbeat on the record slows to nothing. Adina struggles to believe Connors and holds a knife to the face of a system that has done nothing but hold her and hers down. Even with him tied down, she feels powerless. She just wants to bury her son. He tells her he buried Billy in a horse stall at the fairgrounds. The record spins as Auntie lies on the floor. At the motel, Tandy waits uncertainly while Dell and the girls do laundry. Bo is distracted by the stupid candy robot that stole his Snickers, and Dell sees his iPhone hanging in his hoodie on a chair. Tandy hears talking outside her door, and Dell is found with the phone by Leah and confronts her about her lies. A figure enters Tandy's room and places money on the nightstand as Dell finds hope and Tandy her light dagger. Mayhem breaks records and ties speeds an ambulance into the Viking motel. As Leah violently confronts Dell, Tandy breaks through the wall and rescues her. Ty fights Big Bo as Tandy goes to mop the floor freeing girls and finding Ty, but their reunion is cut short when he exhales black smoke and collapses. Pete, let's dig into the dark figures in this episode, and we certainly must start with the dastardly Andre. This idea of him ascending to a godlike Loa power is unsettling, Matt. It certainly is, particularly when we get this information here that the power he's trying to access may be uh, locked away from him or there's this extra barrier or burden for him to get to it as opposed to, you know, climb the mountain, get the special jewel, and then, you know, you have earned the power, that sort of thing. It's almost as though the power is trying to keep itself uh, implicitly, if nothing else, from him. And I think that adds to some of the mystery and to some of the menace. We'll certainly talk in our next segment about the the types of things he might be brushing up against. But for somebody who, oh, I'm just trying to take care of my migraines. I'm, I'm just trying to not feel pain and to subsist on the pain of others. And then talking about how he might gain more powers really gets you concerned for our characters. 
yeah, there's an easiness to him. There's a casualness to him. This is kind of the opposite of, you know, uh, Lex Luthor, I shall rule the world in his older form, or as businessman Lex Luthor, you know, as that that lower Manhattan magnate causing trouble uh, and things of that sort. Here, Andre, his, his public uh, persona is just so likable, so sympathetic that you can really see how how he's been able to exploit this power kind of out in the open uh, because he is so easy to, to, to get along with. With Leah, it's a different type of menace in this episode. The, the whole thing with Dell, the manipulation there, and then the aspect of making her to do drugs to get Tandy to pass out really doesn't sit well. It doesn't. I know that we've we've hit on uh, Leah's evil doings in prior episodes, but it seems that episode after episode she gets just a little bit worse and a little bit worse. And yes, of course, we've seen Leah in this power position uh, before where she's got some sort of oversight uh, over the other girls. But to see her here kind of as as the queen of the operation, as the one meeting out justice and not even handing out punishments herself, but, you know, ordering others to punish others. She just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And with the deception of, oh, you could leave at any time. And, oh, those girls that were on the way, they got, they got, uh, they tried to escape and then they were killed. Just the schemes within schemes and what happens when Tandy is able to summon her powers again? She goes down like it ain't nobody's business. Pete, let's talk some light theories here. First one for me. I had wondered in watching the episode, can Mayhem, who of course is trapped in the record store of the mind, can she project stuff out? I felt like there was a little lack of... I don't want to say story clarity because this is not me being negative, but it's as though she's trying to take her experience in the record store and push it out to reality. I dig the metaphor they're trying to get down on here. This idea that, you know, the albums are the memories, that this is pain. Matt, if only we'd ever heard in a story before pain, don't take my pain away from me. I need my pain. Um, but that it is unclear is the best word I can come back to. Okay. When she uh, takes the music off that Andre had put on and uh, Ty was down on being able to find Tandy again and puts on the piano recital music, suddenly ballerinas show up. Um, then she puts on the red album and three ambulances come by. So yeah. Can you manipulate the real world with it? I mean, we have two examples where it really seems that way. It does seem that way, but then also it seems not that way in that we see Ty disappear off the streetcar. Um, so if the girls were some sort of projection into his mind then wouldn't they have disappeared too but instead they look around because the man they were all sitting around is now gone and somewhat ditto though to a lesser degree with the 
with the ambulance, it certainly looked surreal to have those ambulances drive by on succession, but then kind of, it appears that Ty's conclusion is, oh, that is merely because three ambulances drove by, which is a rare thing to see, but it's not an impossible thing. It's not some, you know, 12 story tall lizard monster or something like that. It, in both cases, they appear to have actually happened. So I remain a little unclear if they did and if they were sent forth from the record store or if it's just a weird coincidence, a stylistic choice of writer, producer, director, Joe Pakowski, all the above. I don't know. Is the record store within Ty, within his cloak? I thought so. Uh, that would then mean that Andre can project into there, either inside Andre or into that into that nebulous space uh, for which it is probably best stated that he is a portal. Uh, that then also means that Auntie can go there too, and I'm fine with all that. It's just not, I guess it's not entirely clear, but I feel like we're on uh, safe enough territory to reach that assumption. So maybe it's more clear than I than I thought. Is it possible it's another place making it all the more understandable how Andre could take his hand and then get there rather than going inside Ty the way Mayhem seems to be inside Ty and now Auntie as well. If the other place is, you know, whether you want to call it Dark Force or whatever it is, if if it's another dimension, another plane of existence, that would satisfy our concerns as opposed to this internal place inside Ty, uh, but still inside his existence um that would make the it would make the most sense that it, it is some other objective place and ty is just the the uh conduit through which people can come and go but again i don't know that it's been clearly stated one way or the other connor's goes for the knife has he changed his mind here it certainly would seem so and you know a, a theme i very often return to is keeping track of not just the internal story, but the needs external to it, which is to say after this episode, we have three episodes left. So at a certain point we need to start to set up that, you know, that, that landing, which would be the end of episode 210, whatever it might be. We've been in a holding pattern for Connors in terms of his apparent desire for redemption um, if that redemption is going to be uh, in in conventional justice, in the justice system, well, he can't stay imprisoned in mom's home forever. Uh, so maybe that's setting up a direction for next episode where he gets out, but then ultimately gets caught and brought to justice. I still continue to think his end will not be at his own hand or at the hands of cloak and dagger, mom, dad, etc. I, I think the best way for the show to deal with a dirty cop is to have that cop brought to justice, not, you know, not individual justice, but the justice of society. Evita's mother comes up in this episode. Obviously, the part of the memory um, 
dying as a result of whatever happened with the birth of her daughter, hence the importance of her sister in Evita's life. Um, what, what's going on there, Matt? Pete, Evita has been on the periphery for much of this season, and I hope, again, with these three episodes left, I hope that we can return to her you know, that notion of not just a high school romance or things like that, but that, you know, that that coupling, that connection, uh, romance, be it be it young or old, be it be it new or well developed. You know, Tyrone deserves peace as a character. I know it can't always be had in a in a drama, but he deserves that kind of, you know, somebody with which he can share uh that kind of romantic companionship, I think the show has been very clear, at least thus far, that that's not Tandy, that they're keeping things uh, on a, you know, on a non-romantic level. And I know we've discussed that in prior episodes. So maybe part of keeping Evita on the periphery is so that she still is close enough to come on back in one or two or three of these remaining episodes. I hope so. I definitely like to see more of Noelle Renee Bercy. Pete, what else is on your radar? Matt, has Andre ascended to Loa? And with that, will he suddenly gain knowledge of these six gems called Infinity Stones with which he will attempt to snap out half or all of the migraines in the universe? One can only hope about the migraines. As for the rest of it, uh, I know between Cloak and Dagger this week and the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the the fan desire for hashtag it's all connected or fan chatter about that concept has been renewed and this is as good a time as any to face the truth that hashtag it's not really connected hashtag let me just remove the hashtags at this point but you know marvel television spent a spell in the in the wake of what the movies were doing and i think as we've seen with the past two avengers movies Marvel Studios appears to have increasingly froze out the TV side in terms of even giving little nibbles beyond Doctor Strange movie comes out. He's into magic. Maybe you could have a magic component for Ghost Rider and things of that sort. And, you know, I won't go so far as to say, Pete, there is no MCU. It's not a universe. There's a multiverse because it's all these different TV properties that don't connect. But I think that our energy would best be spent not looking for those connections uh, from the TV to movie side for, for the foreseeable future. Asterisk, not the Disney Plus shows. But Pete, that's a whole other podcast six months from now. When they are there, they are delightful and make it a, a obviously more connected universe. Matt, certainly more connected than any other out there. When they're not, I think you just have to accept that. Um, last one from me, what's wrong with Ty? Is this the effect of having three people inside him? If indeed they are in him, you know, I know we covered that 10 minutes ago uh, or so. I, I have to confess, I do feel ever so slightly frustrated between the power problems that Tandy has and the power problems that Ty has. It kind of feels like, oh no, I'm not quite sure what to do in this episode, but if we give them power problems, then great, that kind of, that's how we resolve this script. Uh, are there certainly in-universe explanations better than mine? Sure, absolutely. 
but I don't know that it's presented perhaps as cleanly as it could be. With that, Pete, let's check the old mailbox to see what our listeners are saying. First up, a couple of tweets from our pal 084 on Twitter. That's O-H, number eight, word F-O-U-R. He says as follows. I have to say I missed the analysis mixed in with your summary as opposed to dumping the summary all at once. If you ever debate on whether uh, whether to go back, you know which way my vote goes. Great Cloak & Dagger episodes regardless. Uh, OE4 continues to say, hard to disagree on the criticisms of episodes 205 and 206 of Cloak and Dagger. With regards to 206, exploring alternate realities is pretty topical in the MCU right now. And I didn't mind at all using 10% of the season to do that. Stylistically, I loved the format. So Pete, some debate there about our format and the show's formats. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, the, the shift in format was... A, a mode of survival for fantastic geek with the amount of stuff that we've done and have grown to do the idea that we're going to go blow by blow through everything and talk it back and forth. The, the center just could not hold. Um, so unfortunately it, it's a, it's a tough choice. We still run that model with um, a couple of the other shows, not with this show. I can appreciate wanting more fantastic geek but there's only so much of Fantastic Geek to go around. That's true. And Pete, I'll give away the tiniest little sliver of a, of a hint here. I know that we've announced uh, with, with our eye towards the fall, we've announced, of course, our Picard series podcast for the Untitled Picard series. Wait, are you going to talk about the 18th podcast from Fantastic Geek that is now in iTunes hands for approval? Pete, I'm not going to name what it is, but we I know we're <laughs> I doing could... the Picard series uh, in the fall, I know that we're doing the Mandalorian, uh, which comes November 11th. I want to say 11th or 12th, whatever that launch date is for Disney plus the third thing that we'll be doing. Uh, so Pete, if you said that we're waiting for it to show up on iTunes, that means it's a new title and, uh, it too will premiere in the fall. So I kind of have this doomsday, delightful scenario, doomsday, terrible scenario where, all three of those shows are on at once for most of their runs. And, you know, I'd, I'd hate, as 084 hates, uh, well, hate is a strong word, but I would, I would dislike much as 084 would dislike for us to give any of these shows anything less than, well, maximum effort. And we will be giving our maximum effort. There's, there's no half effort with fantastic geek we try to give you the most even in what we refer to as the rundown model like we've given you here today with cloak and dagger pete we also have an email from will who uh, says as follows as i was waiting for the show to air i thought tandy and tyrone have no friends besides each other tyrone sort of has a girlfriend but their lives diverged a long time ago she's living a typical high school existence and he's living on the streets If Tyrone manages to clear himself, it would be interesting to see him reintegrating into his old life. Unlike Tandy's mom, the Johnsons will want their child to have attended more than the school of hard knocks. Tyrone's dad is of at least average intelligence. His mom is a lawyer. O'Malley is a cop. These are not stupid people. Why haven't they taken Connors to the police? Tyrone is wanted for the murder of Connors. He isn't dead. Case closed? Maybe not, but I imagine a decent lawyer can't get... Any other charges dropped. Connor's chilling with Ty's mom is just odd. When will Marvel start pulling their original content off Netflix? I wonder if Cloak and Dagger might be next. Have you read anything about season three? 
Considering how few episodes make up a season, I could certainly take another year or two maximum of the divine pairing. The writers have hinted at Tandy and Tyrone eventually becoming a couple. I want to be there when that relationship pulls into port, Will. So, Pete, I guess your thoughts there on why they have not dropped off Connors at the police as proof that Tyrone didn't kill him. I think the conflict we see in this episode between Adina and her husband illustrates that he may very well be the one saying we got to go to the cops. Whereas she wants to ascertain the whereabouts of Billy's body, find out any other information that she might use given that she's never gotten a fair shake that people who look like her have never seemed to have gotten a fair shake. As for the topic here of the show's future, um, I don't know if perhaps Will is watching in a part of the world where Cloak and Dagger is on uh, Netflix. Uh, certainly in the United States here, it's on Freeform, which is uh, Disney-owned. So though the ratings don't make me super thrilled about the future of the show, let's say long-term, you know, it's a cable channel, it's not network, it's in-house. It's as in-house as it gets. It's ABC Studios, owned by Disney, makes a show for Freeform, owned by Disney, using Marvel properties, owned by Disney. So I wouldn't even venture to guess that it's like red alert that these ratings are going down. Now, is steady better? Of course. Is going up better? Yes. But, um, I mean, we had we had a pretty quick turnaround between seasons one and two, particularly with that announcement. Um Pete, your thoughts. Can we expect the same uh, in terms of a, a, a quick uh, announcement for season three for ill or for good? I think they're very safe um, in the space in particular in which they operate. They're holding it down in prime time on free form. I mean, as many pretty little liars, the perfectionists and uh, the bold type commercials that we see, I have to imagine that cloak and dagger is right there with those. Oh, and it's got the branding of Marvel, which those others, you know, I know pretty little liars was a big hit, but it's not something in the Marvel cinematic universe. If this is a good data point, and I'm certainly not saying let's all hitch our wagon to this, but for whatever it's worth, uh, season two was announced the day after episode 108 aired. Uh, so, of course, we will have episode 208 next uh, next week. Again, I'm not saying, therefore, on Friday, if they haven't made an announcement, then we're all we're all doomed. But it was in that in that range. Now, that may have been with as much an eye towards start production at X so that you can hit a spring release date more than this is where we're at in the first season. But you know, uh, knowing sooner than later is always a good thing. Runaways left you with a huge cliffhanger and didn't get the formal season three announcement till much further down the road. So I, I think reading the tea leaves, I would bet cloak and dagger is back for a season three. Well, fingers crossed on that, Pete, and this entire Cloak & Dagger season thus far has been helped out by the people. Go to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek, making sure that we can always go to rooftops and record stores and make vivets anywhere we go. 
Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. All it takes is a dollar to get you in the door and you help to purchase things like spray paint that Matt and I make giant vivets on the tops of rooftops to go see one another with. Well, of course, Pete, the biggest treat. It's not just helping out, making sure the podcast continues to exist, although hopefully that puts smiles on people's faces. But the bigger treat is talking to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,450 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the PH, like it today. Well, Pete, we will be back next weekend. First talking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., then talking Cloak and Dagger. I think that's the only thing on the radar at this point. But usually when I say something like that, there's (laughs) massive news. So probably this week we get Mandalorian news, Picard series with a title, uh, maybe uh, a fantastic guest star to open out Star Trek Discovery Season 3, things of that sort. You never know. That other show gets approved by iTunes and suddenly there's two episodes of it up. You know, just just keep an eye out. Keep an eye out indeed. Keep a watchful eye. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Sometimes packages get damaged along the way. <laughs>